Welcome to the Oxygen Mass Podcast. If you are here as a parent or caregiver, educator or grandparent, we are glad to have you listening. This program is geared for the autism parent, but we welcome and invite all who feel called to be here with us. I'm Tara and I'm your co-host along with my partner, Beth. The title of this podcast, The Oxygen Mask, is based on a metaphor. Just as you are instructed on an airplane to put on your own mask before helping others, we believe we need to practice helping ourselves as parents so we can best help our children. Hi, I'm Beth. At the beginning of each episode, we'll turn that metaphor, that symbol of an oxygen mask, into a concrete practice, pausing a few minutes each day to quiet our busy minds and breathe into our bellies provides a surge of stress-reducing neurochemicals. With practice over time, we actually build pathways in our brains that help reduce our stress response. So even if you hit play on this podcast about to enter multitasking mode, please take a moment of pause for yourself. Let's begin. Close your eyes softly and bring your attention to your feet as they contact the surface beneath them, rooting you to this moment. Roll your shoulders back. Let them settle in a strong, relaxed posture. Take a belly breath in through your nose. Feel the sensation of air in your nostrils, in the back of your throat. Exhale slowly. Notice your chest fall and your belly soften. Draw another deep breath into your belly. Envision the cool air swirling up across your forehead. Exhale, picturing the warm air going down the back of your neck and over your shoulders. Bring your attention to your face, your temples, your jaw. Take a final cleansing breath in. At the top of your in-breath, bend your elbows and softly place your hands on your hips. Exhale slowly, perhaps letting a smile curl the corners of your mouth. Hold this posture for a few seconds as you open your eyes. Again, welcome. We are so glad you're here. Hello and welcome to episode 16 of the Oxygen Mask Podcast. In this episode, we continue our conversation with Dr. Delia Samuel, a mathematics professor and parent of two autistic boys. Let's jump right in. Now, um, Delia, you mentioned some experiences in advocating for your kids or even just parenting in public where as a black woman, you know, you know you're being seen as less than by people working with or relating to your kids. Can you say more about that experience and how it affects you? Oh, yeah. The stares that I get in public, especially when I go to the grocery store with the boys, and both of you know about sensory overload. You know what the lights do. You know what the crowds do, you know? Sometimes the children just go berserk. They start to scream and they're hitting up on the head, you know? And um, my younger son, he would bite on his shirt quite a lot, so much so that it would make holes in the shirt. I've been told... Mom, your, your son is hungry. Maybe you should go home to feed him. Or um, maybe they don't need to be here right now. Aww. You know, make me feel really small. I get that all the time. You know, and it gets me angry. And I think this is one of the things that 
we, I don't know if that happens with you, but we live an isolated life because people don't understand. Even my, sometimes my family members don't even understand. I remember once I brought um, my 12 year old to, to St. Lucia. He, he was still using a bib. It's only in the, within the last few weeks that he has graduated from using a bib, <laughs> you know, <laughs> 12 years old. So he's still using a bib at 10. They would tell me, what? Your child is using a bib at this age. They don't understand. You know, so I remain to, I prefer to remain in my corner. I am not going to be in an environment where my children are frowned upon or ostracized. I'm not going to give them that. If you cannot bless my child, if you cannot see the beauty in them, then you are not my friend. I prefer that you remain out of my circle. And so they're pointing the finger back at you as your, as a parent or, um, yeah, just sort of making a quick judgment. And I don't know, I have not had a grocery store experience where someone actually tells me what's or, or makes the jump to this is how you should fix it. I've had people go out of their way to glare at how at the noise we're making or the disruption or um, but a lot more of sort of silent treatment and not um, as much of that assertive criticism or advice giving but I had a direct example at the grocery store too it was related mm -hmm. to my son really didn't like wearing um his winter coat when he was young um because the sensory stuff so it was and it becomes a challenge to just do normal stuff like go to the grocery store right like there, there were times like you too I kind of would uh, sequester myself because I didn't want to experience that I didn't want to not only did I not want to experience, I didn't want to put my son through that whole sensory overload and those things. So, you know, I did it in limited ways. So if I was at the store, I was there because I needed to be right. Yes. Um, and yeah, I had um, an older woman kind of question my judgment. Oh, you better start. You better put your coat on young man. And I was like, Oh, don't we made it through the store without a meltdown. We're not going to talk about the coat right now, you know? Yeah. And I laughed and I was like, I'd like to see you get him on it, you know, get him to wear it because that'll be interesting. He'll, you'll have to wrestle him to the ground, you know. And my philosophy was, you know, he had to wear it from door to door and we were doing good with that. So he'd put it on at the door. He, as soon as we got to the car, he'd take it off and it was the dead of winter, but I didn't care. It was like these little steps that we were making. So yeah, to have that someone else kind of judging um, what they would do in your position is, it, you just don't need that on top of, the the stress or the winds that you're already getting you know in in even being there so um yeah that grocery store experience i think is pretty universal when it comes to special needs stuff i think but um i don't have obviously the same experiences that you've had um adelia you know regarding skin color which is just it's disheartening you know you want to think that that doesn't happen in this day and age but of course it does and so thank you for sharing that and enlightening us here Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And that is and why they, these, sorry. No, go ahead. That is why these podcasts that you're doing are so important because people need to know, mm -hmm. you know, some of them honestly don't know. So we need to educate them and let them know this is not on. It's not on, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's, it's just easier to, to judge and blame. And what we need to do is get people to check that judgment and blame and, above that, maybe see their own racial biases, how 
much more quickly they are to blame and judge people of color versus people that might look like them. So um, I think just noticing that's it, but by telling these stories, we're helping people maybe notice or remember, hopefully situations they've been in like that. Do you hear from families um, with the man work that you do, that being a struggle for them, that sort of um, judgment or for people that don't understand their family's situation? Oh, of course, oh, of course, especially the Somalian community. It's something that they go through all the time and they keep their children hidden because they don't want the, their children to be called crazy or not normal or to say something is wrong with your child. I hate this word. Something's wrong with you. There's nothing wrong. They are just walking their own path. You know, I, I, it's there all the time, you know? Yeah. In the yeah. Somalian community, and believe it or not, in the Black community, um, the mental health issues, there's a huge stigma on that in both communities. Um, we are made to feel that we are cursed, you know, and that's a stage that I went through. I, I felt that God was punishing me for things that I had done in my life. So there's a lot of shame and there's a lot, a lot of guilt. And in the black community also, our children are called crazy, but sometimes pastors and priests are called in to exorcise the child. Mm. They oh. feel that it's some voodoo or some obi or something that needs to come out of the child. Yeah, a priest was telling me that. He says, do you know how many times I have been called in to exorcise a child? Because that child is always screaming or that child is hitting the head or that child is biting people. Child could have autism. Yeah, you know? yeah that's the reality. It's sad. It that's is. That just reality. makes my heart hurt, you know? Like, that's just sad. I and mean, we just need you know, understanding and compassion. And like you said, there's nothing wrong. It's just a, it's a different path, a path that needs support and understanding and compassion around it. But yeah, that's, mm -hmm. that's hard. I want to ask you about um, um, those early years of autism can be the most challenging because of the developmental and, and then just your own personal journey, like you were saying, denial and anger and such. So those can be really hard years. They were difficult for me. Um, what, you know, you're isolated and you're sleep deprived, like what sustained you? Hmm. How did oh. you? Oh, wow. That's a beautiful question. You know, this verse, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Philippians 4.13, that sums it up. And I am so grateful to my parents for bringing me up to believe in God. He was, he is my strength and my faith. My faith sustained me. You know, when I look at my life story and I, I like to say I turn the pages of my life story, all I see on every page is God's love for me and his faithfulness. He has never let me down. And so if God, and I say, has blessed me, with these two children, he knew what he was doing. He saw that I had the capabilities. You know, we are chosen that all three of us, all parents of these beautiful children are chosen because we are seen as the best people to care and to nurture these children. Another thing that sustained me is 
gratitude. When I reached the acceptance stage, I made it a point to be grateful for everything, no matter how small it was. And I used to get up really early. Well, I get up early because of my boys anyway, but I made the decision to get up at least half an hour early so that I can have some me time. That sustained me too, mm -hmm. because that end helps me to prepare for the day. And part of my me time was to be grateful. And so I used to actually had my little journal and I would write down every day 10 things to be grateful for. Mm -hmm. And even though I slept half an hour more, thank you, thank you, thank you. If Sam was able to eat and that he has a feeding disorder, thank you. No matter how small, I was grateful for it. And I found the more I was grateful, the more I saw things to be grateful for. And the more I smiled with my boys. Um, and another thing that sustained me is I actually did concrete things to make sure I remained positive. So yellow is my favorite color. When I was going through my why me zone, <laughs> you know, I would put on yellow to remind myself to be positive yeah. and to smile. You know, things like that. My boys, this sustained me. When I see how much, when I see the love in their eyes for me, when I do things for them, even though one of them cannot speak, they sustain me. I play with my children. I learn to play with them. You should see me on the floor with them, rolling on the floor. My little one likes to chase. So we run around the kitchen maybe 10 times. And it's just, the child is just so happy to do that. You know, and I laugh and I squeal with them and I twirl. When he twirls, he twirls a lot. I don't know if your children do that, but they're always twirling. Oh, I twirl. I twirl. Oh, you know, doing things like that sustain me. Yeah, I, I love that. You know, I, I too have had a really strong experiences with practicing gratitude and being very intentional. And, and I think what, what you're talking about, it just, it, it shifts your perspective, right? Like you have, you may not have a choice in a lot of different things and how your, maybe your situation is, you maybe can't change certain things for your child, but you have a choice in how you're going to react to them and how you perceive things and, and your attitude. And you're, you're just like, you took that a step further and like, okay, I'm going to shift my attitude and I'm going to wear yellow because it, it is, it's a mindset. You have to put yourself in that mindset. Um, and I think that's really interesting. That's a, a really powerful way of um, taking control back of, of things that maybe feel out of control. So and that's, yes. that's half the battle, right? With, with parenting um, along this journey is that you do, so many things are uncertain and, and not clear. And if you can kind of have sovereignty over your own way of being and re reacting and, and um, yeah, I just think that that's, that's super powerful. So makes the journey and, possible and even more beautiful, right? I'll include in the show notes, the video, if that's okay on your kind of testimony about your faith journey, Delia. Of course. Of course. Okay. Um, and I just, I, I would say, you know, you said um, parent, we parents are chosen because we're the best people for these children. And I think that can be a challenging, um, that, that was challenging that I heard that early on in my parenting. And I wondered, and what I was doing, 
I realized was keeping faith and striving sort of separate. And I was like, okay, what are my qualifications <laughs> to, to be this person, this child's parent then? And then I went to striving and, okay, now I'm going to be even more qualified and I'm going to use all of my expertise to underneath it really was a fix it mode of my kid. And so I think that is an important message. Um, and we need to be thoughtful about where I went to my striving to, to, okay, then I, if I'm the best person for this kid, I'm the best therapist too. And I'm the best, you know, all these roles. But I think what you've illustrated is that we kind of grow into that best person. Like our kids grow us into the best person to parent um, our, our kids. And I think faith can, is, has been a bigger part of that for me more in recent years anyway. And it sounds like it's been your sustaining thread through this whole experience. And mm -hmm. I love what you said a while ago, growing, because that's what, that's what it is. When I give my talks, it's always I live and I grow with autism. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what we're doing. And I know I've not done parenting perfectly, but I also know that I have been the perfect parent for my child. So whatever my capabilities and, and faults and everything, it's the right mix for what he needs is what I've kind of come to, you know, realize. And I'm not going to do it perfect, but that's okay. So, mm -hmm. um, yes. <laughs> well, let me just ask the last question then that I wrote down. Um, you've talked, a, well, you had a cancer diagnosis in 2019. Is that right? Yes. And you spent most of that year in treatment. Um, yes those are major struggles with two boys on the spectrum. And how did your experience or your relationships with your boys um, help you? Or how was that experience in your family unit? Mm. I always say that my experience with my boys prepared me for this journey. If I did not go through my journey with my boys, and reach the acceptance stage, I would not be thriving from this cancer diagnosis. I would not have a clean bill of health. I could even be dead because it was a very aggressive cancer. Um, it was breast cancer, stage three, very aggressive. It was spreading. Um, it was like a fluid. I mean, one, let's say this week, it had spread to one node. In the next two weeks, it had spread to another node. That's how much it was and how aggressive it was. And if you know, when I got that diagnosis, I was, I went back into my whiny. I went back into that anger zone. I was just so angry, angry with God. I, I felt like Job. I felt as if I was just being tormented again and again. I said, what, what have I done? Why? And, and this is how I was talking to God. I said, you gave me these two children and I'm doing the best that I can with them. You've helped with them and you're doing this to me? How are they going to deal with this? You know how much they like routine. You know that. Oh, boys like routine. How are they going to deal with a, a mother with no hair? And I know about chemotherapy. I had to go through chemo because it was so aggressive. I had to go through 20 weeks of chemo. I had to go through surgery and then I also had radiation and I had the longest span of radiation because it was that aggressive. 
you know. And I said, and they told me all the side effects, the tiredness, the mouth sores, the nausea. The, how, 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 how am I going to do this? That was what it was, you know. But again, it didn't last for too long. I had to sit back. And again, I had to look at my life. You know, it's like a conscious decision you have to make, you know, to trust. Mm. Even though it looked bleak, it really looked bleak. And I had to trust that even though I was going through this for the year, that my boys would be taken care of. And I had just gotten married, by the way. I got married in 2018. So I was in the first year, well, just entering the second year of my marriage. And I had to consider all of that. And I had to trust that even though they said that I was going to have all of these side effects, that I would still be able to take care of my children. And that is where faith came in. All of the faith that I learned through journeying with my two boys, I had to put it into play. So even though things look so dark around me, I had to believe that there was light. And I like to tell people that even within the dark tunnel, you know the saying that there's a light at the end of the tunnel? There are lights even within the tunnel. Even within the tunnel. The boys were fine with me. And what is so beautiful is that their autism specialist in the district helped me so much with social stories for them. That helped a lot. Mm -hmm. They came to my home and they actually took pictures of me, you know, the headgear with no hair, you know, so that they could get used to it. My oldest son had a hard time with me being without hair, you know, and so I kind of, you know, a little at a time showed it to him. So I would pull back my, my head tie, my head scarf a little so that he could see. And then finally he saw me without hair, you know. So it was a little at a time. I was able to take my little one to therapy, drive him to therapy, all of that. I was able to, <clears throat> because I do everything for the little one, I was able to bathe him. My husband helped, but I was able to bathe him. I was even able to cook. You know, and all of the side effects that they said I would have experienced, I had minimal side effects. Um, so as I said, and this is what the oncologist told me, your positive attitude gave you a clean bill of health. But I say even more, my faith and my boys. It's not me. They did it. God did it. I could not have done it if I hadn't gone through that journey. So all of what I learned with my boys, there's a, there's a time when um, my oldest one, he was about seven. And he, he um, his language took a, a little time um, to, 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 to grow and to evolve. But, um, and he doesn't have eye contact, but there was one time he found me crying at the table, which is very unusual. I, I don't cry in front of my children but I was just so overwhelmed that day and then he came and at that time I was a single parent he came and he asked me what's wrong mommy and I didn't answer because I was just so ashamed that this child seen me crying and he took 
my face in his hands like that. And he looked at me dead on my eyes and he has no eye contact generally, but he looked at me and he says, mommy, when something goes wrong, don't give up. Mommy, just go on, mommy. You can do it, mommy, just go on. And I remembered that during that journey when I was really tired and I was struggling to climb the stairs and I'm hearing him saying, don't give up mommy. I'm hearing that little voice. Just go on mommy. Just go on. They were my strength through that journey. You know? Wow. Yeah. To have that, that strong emotional and visual reference point to go back to as encouragement and perspective just sounds priceless. Thank you. And when you said earlier, you went from why me to why not me, and we're kind of creating the storyline, then we can reference back to that storyline and say, oh, yeah, this is actually familiar. This is an uncharted territory. In some way, this might resemble something we've been through. And therefore, we have some valuable insights, skills, resources relationships to help us through so yeah i like the phrase remember to remember Mm -hmm. kind of part of gratitude it's almost like gratitude and retrospect Um, yeah yeah well delia thank you so much for talking to us today and this has been wonderful anything else you want to add or point out just a word for us as parents for you beth you, Tara, you are enough. Both of you, you, we are enough. And yeah. Parents out there, you are enough. You are amazing. You are enough. Thank you. That's thank beautiful. you for that. That's, yeah, thank you. That's so meaningful, not just to me, but I know to everybody listening, everybody needs to hear that. And thank you for sharing all your wisdom and, and your grace. Um, so inspiring. You are so welcome. Thank you for inviting me. Check out the show notes. We'll have a lot of links in there uh, related to Delia and uh, resources that she has created or is connected to. Um, And we also want to thank the department, uh, Minnesota Department of Human Services and Minnesota Department of Health. Communities Engaging Autism has gotten a grant focused on family connections. And part of that work is really to bring more voices to this um, podcast venue, this um, outlet um, to connect directly into parents during a pretty isolated time. So um, if you want to um, be share your story, your perspective, um, you can email me at info at CEA4, that's number four, autism.org. Thank you. You can comment and subscribe to the podcast at Communities Engaging Autism's website at www.cea4, that's the number four, autism.org. Share the podcast with members of your village to strengthen those essential connections. And above all, please secure your own oxygen mask before helping others.